G'day legends and welcome to So Get Under Podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight, a couple of different faces to usual. We've got Shane and Dell. How are you Shane? I'm good, thank you Jared. Uh, Dell, lovely to meet you mate. All good guys, doing well. Uh, very rainy Scotland as per usual. No, don't worry, it's not much better over here in Melbourne. It's been raining here as well. So there we go. We're both copping it today. Happy days. That's the weather talk out of the way. Nice and early. Done deal. We crack on. So what's um what's new with you, Shane? Um, just to let everyone know, Shane's a new permanent member of the South Down Under podcast. He'll be on here regularly. So get used to seeing his face if you watch on YouTube. And if you're only listening to the audio thing, enjoy those dogs of tones that, you know, another Australian voice on the podcast. Happy days. So what's new with you, Shane? Thanks, Jared. I just want to say thanks for, for having me on and, and including me. Um, I've been a, a listener for a while now, but to be invited on and, and to contribute, um, you know, it's a pleasure. So thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. Um, look, not much is new, just um, getting ready uh, for our, obviously, A-League season over here to kick off, which is this weekend. So lots of football, uh, lots of football happening and um, really looking forward to seeing how we acquit ourselves uh Tomorrow morning, our time, but I won't. Uh, I won't go into that too much. Yeah, we'll talk Just about now. that a bit later. But yeah, and uh, thanks for jumping on as well, Dale. We've been chatting about, uh, you know, catching up and doing a pod together again for a little while now. So yeah, and it was a last minute inclusion to you. So I really appreciate that. Aye, not a problem, mate. No worries at all. Yeah, Liam was supposed to be on, but you know he's kind of stuck at, at the doctors. You know, flu season in Japan, and yeah bailed on his half hour before so I'm just saying, when he listens in he knows I'm just giving him a bit of a rough time but nah would have been good to have you on Liam but we'll get you on next week so um happy days so on today's podcast we're going to be talking about uh result on the weekend the two net winning against Motherwell uh we've got a few topics there I want to discuss off the back of that in particularly certain players have been copying it on social media due to their recent performances. So I want to dig into that a little bit. And then we're going to preview tonight's game against Leipzig in the Champions League and also talk about Celtics and Johnson on the weekend as well. So I'm sure we'll go off on a few tangents and, you know, chuck a, you know, go down a few wonky roads that we probably didn't think we would, but that's the whole fun of this podcast. So um, what we'll do, I'll go through with the, um, the lineup that we played against... Uh, Motherwell, and then we'll just discuss that to start off with. Hey, there you go. Shane's getting comments in the uh, in in the comments already. There he is from Vinny. Oh, he's <laughs> found him. I know, I know who that is. <laughs> so starting off with the with where Joe Hart and goals: Juranovic, Welsh, Jens, Taylor, O'Reilly, McGregor, Hatate in the midfield, Maeda. Jota and Furuhashi up front. I thought that was pretty much the lineup we predicted on last week's podcast when me and Liam were on. So I think we nailed that. Um, yeah, the disappointing thing, to be honest with you, looking in that is I thought we were very wasteful in front of goals. Um, that's my overall takeaway from the game. Yeah, there was a known goal. Yeah, there was a red card. But the key point for me is how wasteful we were in front of goals. Kyogo could have had a hat trick. O'Reilly could have had one. Juranovic should have had one at our end as well. So there was a whole bunch. Yeah, the goal from Hatade was 
bloody well struck, to be honest with you. But throw to you, Dal. What was your overall thoughts on the game? That, that more more disappointing because it was at Parkhead, mate. Um, I, I agree with what you said. I was talking about it on my podcast the other night, mate. It, we've been wasteful since the Dundee United game. We've been wasteful against Madrid. We were wasteful against St Mirren. We were wasteful against Motherwell. Even the Harps game. Um, since Tanner dies away, I, I don't really know. I don't know why it's happened. Um, I'm not overly worried, mate. It's 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 still reasonably early in the season. And the early signs in the season were scoring loads of goals. And I think it will come back. I think it's impossible, even if you're an elite top-level football club, that you're going to have dips in forums. We're still two points clear at the top of the league, so... I'm not overly concerned. Um, my concern is the short term and, and the lack of goals, and obviously going to Germany tonight. It's going to be a it's going to be a difficult game. Um, they won four 0 at the weekend. They've beat Dortmund recently as well. So, yeah, it wasn't a great performance, mate. But I'm not jumping on the the greeting face bastard bandwagon just yet, mate. Not not just yet, but. Overall, the 90 minutes, it wasn't, it wasn't good enough, mate. It wasn't good enough, performance-wise. Speaking on that wastefulness, though, like, the thing I noticed about a few of the games, I'll come to you in a minute, Shane, is that, like, against Real Madrid, when Maeda comes on as a sub and he scuffed that one, it's a, matter, yeah. it's a game of inches. And you look at it, the ball into Maeda, if it was an inch further forward or he run, he arrived and... Like, so he was an inch further back, it would have been in. But he scuffed it, it hit the bottom of his foot. Kyogo with his headers on the weekend have been, you know, slight change of an angle off the head and he'd get it on target or be getting it in. People have been talking about Kyogo and, you know, he's missing, you know, with the headers he should have got and all this sort of stuff. But the thing you got to look at with Kyogo is he's been, he was like that last season. This time last year, he was doing the same thing. He creates a lot of chances and he converts at a lower rate than you'd ideally hope for. But it's it's part of the course at the end of the day. I'd rather be making all these chances than not making them. So what was your your overall thoughts on the game, Shane? And if you want to elaborate on anything we were just saying, jump on. Yeah, well, I think Wasteful is probably the, the, the one place to start. I mean, there was a lot of chatter, you know, post-game about the performance and maybe that it wasn't up to scratch. And I think that's that's probably true. It wasn't the best of games to, to really enjoy. Um, but even with that being said, even though we didn't really play that well, we still could have easily put five past them. Um, we, we really did still create enough chances and we just didn't bury them. Um, and I think that, I think just touching on the criticism of Kyogo, I think it's a little hard. Um, I don't think he's hit top. I don't think he's hit top form yet. I still think he looks at uh, just a tad off to me. Like um, if I had both G, um, Jack Macus and Kyogo fit, I'm probably putting Jack Macus in just because of his ability to finish at the moment. But, um, but even him being slightly off, I think you hit the nail on the head. He's still creating a lot. He's still uh, causing havoc for the uh, defenders as well. So I think it's just going to click for him. I I think he's going to have that one match coming up soon, uh, hopefully uh, in a few hours' time, um, where he'll just net a few and that's going to be it. Then he'll be back and and it'll be all sort of all guns blazing from there. But, yeah, pretty wasteful. It it really... um, 
yeah, we seemed a bit sluggish at times. Like there were patches where we we looked okay. I thought we we were pinging the ball pretty well uh, around pretty well at times, but then the passing got a bit loose. Um, there was about probably ten or so minutes in the second half, I think, where they didn't really generate anything Motherwell, but they were able to get on the ball, which was a little bit unexpected, um, and actually start to, to push a bit. Um, I, I just we just didn't seem to be at the races completely. I guess the the positive with that is the really good teams find a way to win and grind out a result when they're not playing well. I think we're at that level. You go back maybe a year or so, particularly when Andrew's putting this in place, I think it's a little bit different. But we're at the stage now where we've built up so well that we can have an off performance and still actually jag a win, particularly in the in the league. Well, what you said there, Motherwell didn't really do too much well. Michael Ross in the comments, Motherwell created nothing, so spot on. That message come through right when you said that, Shane. So um, there you go. We're all thinking the same thing. So, yeah, for me, it's like you're talking about Kyogo being that bit off and everything. It's not just him. It's the whole overall team. So since I think uh, Liam said it when he appeared on Axom, on, I think it was last, yesterday or something like that, but what he said was that our – it's been like we had the game against Rangers. You want to kick on off the back of that, right? So we had the win. Then we go and play Real Madrid. After thir- after 20, 30 minutes, we could have we could have been up 3-0 three, three at that point. That's how dominant we were early on. We are just wasteful. So then you go from there to losing 3-0 to the reigning European champions. No big deal. But, but the players off the back of that want to play again. And then suddenly there's a weekend off. Then we come back and we play away in Europe. Realistically, we should have won that game against Shakhtar. We pick up a point. We come back in the league and we lose. And then it's an international break. And suddenly what's our momentum was going that well that we're up and about. And then suddenly you get a three-week break in there or a three-week period where, you know, two losses and a draw and an international break. And suddenly we're all just looking, we're just looking for every little thing we can pick on. So I think we're just being a little too picky if we're as a supporter base, but we'll just get back to the game and then we can come back to that topic on the um, players. We've been copying it a bit more if we want, but yeah. So overall we've discussed that. The goals, I've mentioned Hatade's goal was great. I thought Kyogo, Nick and O'Reilly's goal at the start. Was, you, you could see straight away Kyogo scored it and then he's looked and O'Reilly's giving a bit of a slap on the back of the head like, what are you doing, mate? Like that. Those are the ones, though, that you're not sure if a defender's going to get there or not. So you just smash it in to make sure you get the goal. But, yeah, that oh, that'd be pretty good. I'd be saying, mate, you've got to pay for my dry cleaning for the next month or two months or whatever it is or the rest of the season. You stole my goal, make him you know, punish him in some way like that. But, yeah, that was my takes on the goal. And then we've got Calmax red card. Now, we'll touch on that one because for me, two things. One, Hatade has been so apologetic with the shock and back pass. At least he knows he's stuffed up. But two, that is the most professional red card and that is the right red card for us to be giving away. That's great the way it's a great red card. Um, I, I think I think that the, the Hatati pass is, is the 
the reason why the red card happened, obviously. But uh, if you look at the overview of the picture when he passes it, where Joe Hart is and where Stephen Welsh are as well, it, it's unbelievable. Stephen Welsh is nearly in with the Green Brigade and Joe Hart's sitting with the Motherwell fans. Yeah. The, the positional is absolutely ridiculous. Um, aye, but it's a really, really good red card. And you've seen Big Ange shaking his hand as he walked off the park because if the boys get any composure whatsoever, I don't even think he needs to run with the ball. I think if he strikes it, it's a goal. So he's missing Perth and he, and he misses Hibs at home. No, no any disrespect to them, but it's two games we could possibly survive without them. So it's it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Well, talking on that, we've got some comments agreeing there. So we've got Michael Ross, world-class red card. Yeah. Vinny's like, Callum got my standing ovation for taking one for the boys. Well, that's our podcast got its name today, taking one for the team. That's for the captain. Vanessa has said, no harm that McGregor gets a rest next weekend. And that ties into my thoughts on it. He's played three full games in the international break. He plays pretty much every game for us. On average, he plays about 55 to 60 games a season. I don't mind him getting a game off or two games off so be it, in the league at this point in time because he'll have fresh legs for the next two European games. That's the thing I look at it. Like, he'll play tonight, play the whole 90, then he'll get the weekend off, and then a guy like Abelgard can step in or Moy can step in or whatever and get more game time and, you know, ingrain themselves into the team a bit more. And then he comes back and plays the second leg against, you know, against Leipzig. With his um, with fresh legs again, I don't know. I look at it as a that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I I tend to agree. And you're thinking of all the of all the guys on the on the team really who'd go, geez, they were they deserve a break. Not necessarily that they need it or they're looking for it, but you know they deserve a break. He's definitely at the top. And you're like, now nah, if he needs if he needs to take a break, what's good for him? Obviously, a little bit enforced, of course. I saw a little bit of chatter about whether it was a red or not. Um, Look, even with green and white hoop tinted specs on, when I saw it live, I thought, nah, he's done. That's red. It was as clear as day. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it, I don't think Welsh is getting there. I know he technically wasn't last man, but I don't think Welsh is getting there to stop that. Hearts yeah. in no man's land. It's It was a clear red. And uh, I think Andrew's comments after the game were probably more just to, to kind of deflect away from any, any direct sort of uh, criticism of Callum and that's what a good manager does. Well, talking about you saying that technically he wasn't the last man, but if you look at where the ball was and where the contact was, and Welsh was, yes, behind him, but he was, as you said, he's not going to get there. He was like miles out of position, and he was like the wrong side of the attacker, so to where the ball is. So even if the attacker got the ball and there was no foul or no penalty or no red card there, if Welsh gets over, he's either going to be contesting a shot possibly taking a guy out in the box or he's not going to get there and it's going to be a one-on-one with Joe Hart who's in no man's land. So in a game that we won 2-1, that is the red card. That is what you need because, you know, we don't want to concede that other goal and drop more points. So, yeah. Yeah, look, I I was just going to say, look, I I don't want to overdo it, but like – 
I'm sure other players would have done the same, but seeing him do that, you're just like, that's your captain reading the situation, going, I've got to do this. I must step in here. I'll take the hit. It doesn't matter. We've just got to stop them scoring. So, yeah, I thought it was fitting, befitting of who he was, really. You look at our lineup there, Shane, and go, who else in that situation would have had the composure to cop that red card? I think there's probably two other guys there, I reckon. I reckon Starfelt would have copped the red yep. in that situation. And Arda Vickers would have, and probably Juranovic. So it's three, actually. Any of those guys would have. I don't think Taylor would have, because he's usually too far up the pitch when the ball's on that side. <laughs> yeah, that yeah he's, not, he's not close he's enough to, to track back yeah. and win and yeah. cause that foul. But anyway. Uh, it was a good professional foul there, and we live, we learn, and get get fresh legs for our skipper going into the uh, wait, uh, the home leg, sorry, against uh, Leipzig next week. So there you go. And as Angelo is saying, Colmac Red was a blessing in disguise. He needs a rest. Bring on Applegard. So be good to see him on the weekend. All right. So before we crack on, we're going to mix it up a little bit. Dale, you mentioned earlier your podcast. Give it a little plug, mate. Yeah, I've been going for a couple of years now, mate. Um, the Celtic Supporters Podcast. I'm on weekly now, uh, Monday evening, 7 o'clock, and a Friday evening as well at 7 o'clock. And some bits in between. As you know, mate, I do my, my Celtic story. I get different fans for all different walks of life, Celtic supporters, clubs, all over the world. I've interviewed Australia, America, Spain, Scotland, England, Ireland. Um, so I no no two stories are the same, mate. So I it's it's going well at the moment, mate. Got a sponsor recently. I've got another couple of sponsors lined up. I've got a good team behind me now, mate. So I'm going to start taking it a wee a wee bit more serious, but not not too much, mate. I don't want to get away from the fact that why we started it, which is to have a good laugh with our mates, have a beer and get a bit of crack. So, um, bye, it's all going well, mate. Celtic Supporters Podcast, um, we only go live on, on YouTube now um, and we also have a Spotify page, Celtic Supporters Podcast on, on Spotify too, mate. So, yeah, all, all going good, mate. Really enjoying it this season. Well, good. And while we're giving the plugs, Shane, since you're new to the Celtic Den Under team, let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so um, they can find me on Twitter. Uh, so at ShaneB31. Um, I'm definitely on Twitter a fair bit. So um, feel free to give me a follow. Um, it's mainly sport-related stuff, mainly Celtic and, and Melbourne Victory um, and other various sports that uh, people will attest to. <laughs> but, yeah, you can reach me there. Um and yeah, feel free to, to drop me a line and say hello. All right. So I was talking early on about certain players copping it because of their performance levels. It was spoken about Kyogo in general. There's three other players that I've seen in the last week or so that the tide is turning on people talking about him. So the first one I want to bring up is do you guys think Joe Hart is their best man in goal or is it time to give Seagrist a run? What uh, are you I, I, I don't think there's any doubt he's our best goalkeeper. But we, we need to speak the truth and, and say what we see on the television. Um, the St Marin game, I thought he was at fault for not commanding his box. I thought the Shakhtar game, 
getting beaten near post, albeit a very good strike for the guy. I thought I could have done better. Uh, the Motherwell game, just going by what I've seen, and I've never seen him screaming at Juranovic. So it's three big mistakes that have, that have cost goals. And it's plain, it's plain as day to see that, in my opinion, it was, it was at fault for them. So do you drop him going into a Champions League game? I don't think so. I don't think it would be fair to throw Seagrest into that type of game, coming in out the cold. But his, his performances haven't been great, mate. His distribution hasn't been great. So he's, he's, he's definitely underperforming. I don't think he gets dropped tonight. Um, do I think it would be a good idea to put him in against St. Johnson at the weekend? Seagrest? Possibly, mate. Possibly. Give, give him 90 minutes and see how he goes. Um, I don't think Joe Hart needs a rest. I think it's maybe just a confidence thing at the moment. If he makes another mistake the night, that's a totally different story altogether, mate. That's a totally different story. All right. Before we get your take on this, Shane, I want to bring up a couple of comments because there's, this shows the, the split. Angelo has put in the comment, Hart should get a chance to come good. Well, Vanessa's put in there, I'd like to see Segrist get a go. Hart is poor at crosses. So as you can see, even the people in the comments are split on it. Now, yeah. for me, my main thought on, on his situation, and I'll get your take on the whole situation and what I'm about to say, Shane, so I'll go to you off the back of this, is do you think last year our our defence was built around a centre-back pairing of Carter Vickers and Starfelt with Hart behind him? That was your triangle. That was your main core, and it was so stable. And since Carter Vickers and Starfeld have both been hurt, these mistakes that you mentioned, Dal, are starting to creep in when he's playing behind guys he's not used to playing behind. Do you think that's a factor? Because Michael in the comments has said the same thing, which is don't you think CCV missing has had an effect on Hart's form? I think that could be a big factor in it. But what do you think, Shane? No, I agree. No, I think that's definitely something to that we need to take into consideration. And you think of, of how strong that partnership is between CCV and, and Starfelt with Hart, right? The confidence that, that Hart has knowing that those two are in front of him. Um, I think that's obviously changes a bit when you lose both of them. So to not even have one of them there, all of a sudden, everything's changed a little bit. You're getting used to two sort of a different centre-half pairing you're getting used to how they work together, let alone just with yourself. And then it's about picking up on all those cues. And it's been a little bit of something that he probably has, maybe hasn't clicked onto just yet. Likewise, I don't think either of them have been super. I don't think they've been too bad, but I don't think they've been at the level of CCV and Starfeld, of course. So, yeah, I do agree that's, that's, um, that's probably a, a big determining factor in it. I think, He's just had a poor run of form, um, and I, I back him to come good. So I'd definitely keep starting him. I think he's our best option. Even with the poor form, I'd still probably start him definitely tomorrow. I think the shout to give Segrist to go, particularly in the league, is definitely worth it, though, um, depending on how Hart goes against Leipzig. Um you know, obviously that might dictate what happens away in Perth. But, um, yeah, I think Segrist deserves to go. He's obviously shown what he can do at this level, you know, last season. And we, we should be maybe looking to introduce him a bit more. I don't know if the cup run is enough. Uh, I think maybe we need to introduce him uh, into the league as well. 
But overall, look, I'd back Hart to, to come good. I think he'll have a good match and then all of a sudden he'll be back again. And then as soon as CCV and Starfelt come back in, I think you um, that tightens up a fair bit. So do you think on the back of that, Del? Because I could see you were having a few things you wanted to say there. Yeah. I, I, I think if you're, if you're central pairing and, and the guys that play week in, week out, who more or less had that shut the door last year and, and conceded limited goals... Think of that it's going to have an effect on the back line as a whole. I, I would I wouldn't contribute it to, to Joe Hart performing poor. What what I would say is if if your two best centre half pairing aren't playing, then the other team are going to create more chances. It's it's just logic. So I think it probably shines more of a bad light on, on Joe Hart than it does the defence. That the two strongest players aren't in front of him and then he's struggling because he's under a wee bit more pressure. So I definitely think it affects him because obviously as a goalkeeper, if you've got your strongest two guys in front of you, you're going to feel more confident. Uh, I don't know. But I think I think it shows him up a wee bit more than, than, than blaming the guys being out, to be honest with you. I've got a question for you off the back of that then, Del. So, and this is, this is what I'm... My thoughts are, like, I kind of agree with you. It kind of reflects poorly on Hart more than the other two guys. Yeah. And just come up in the comments what I'm about to say. But Michael Ross has put in lack of communication, and that's where I'm thinking right now. Mm-hmm. When you've got Scarfelt and you've got Carter Vickers together, they know who the boss of the back line is, who runs the show back there. It's Carter Vickers, right? He runs it. He's the link man. Now, when you're missing those other guys, who's the boss? Who's running the back line? Is Jens very vocal? I'm yet to see it. Is Welsh vocal? Not really. So Hart has to step up and be the boss. And that's where I'm thinking the issue is. A player of his level of experience, played so many times for England, so many times in the the English Premier League. At the end of the day, he should be better than what what's going on. He should be able to control that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's just the same as the Celtic side at the moment, mate. That, that it's a hopefully it's just a lull in, in for him. Um, I agree with Shane. I, th- I think he comes good again. I think he's his number one. Just just as the team aren't playing too well, heart it just all of a sudden happens. Heart isn't playing too well either. So. I'm not overly worried. As you say, he's a world-class keeper. He's won Premiership titles. He's had 60, 70 caps or whatever it is for England. So, yeah, I think he'll come good, mate, and I, ho- I hope I hope that starts tonight. But um, Hart's, Hart's quite vocal on, on the park as well, and obviously we see him now more or less playing centre midfield, up, screaming at all the players and that. So, um, But it, it's just a dipping for him, mate, the... The trust of the guys in front of you, and as as the Celtic forums dipped, me I'll come back, and I'm I'm convinced Joe Hart will be I'll be fine as well, mate. Yep, I think we'll leave the Joe Hart convo there, but yeah, I think we're all agreeing that you know he'll come good. Now, two other players, Juranovic. I'm gonna lump him and Maeda. They're the other two I want to talk about in together. Reason I want to talk about him is things I'm seeing everywhere is they're not as good as they were last year. That's the main one. They're believing the hype. 
is what you're saying on Juranovic. What you're saying on Maeda is he's not good enough to push Jota off the left. So they're the two main things you're seeing there. Now, I kind of agree with Maeda in that I don't think Jota should be made to play out of position. But I also think that from what Liam's told us and what I've seen of Maeda, he's not naturally a left a left winger. He's actually a striker. Seen him do that for Japan and in Japan. I think he's actually our third our third striker. But we're just I think Andrew's just trying to pigeonhole him to get him into the team, which is what's pushing Jota out wide, wide right. But so with Maeda, is he the best option for us on the left? That's the first question I want to know. And the second thing is second thing is when we get to Maeda, is he a striker or is he a winger? Throw to you, Dale. Um, I've had this conversation so many times about Maeda. Um, I think I think he's a bit of a luxury player, mate. Um, I think I think Angel always try to have him in the team. I, I'm a big fan of Abada. Abada starts for me every week on the right, and Jota starts on the left. It's nailed down for me. Uh, work work rate wise, Maeda, you, you can't ask for anything more of him. Um, I don't think he's technically very gifted, and he's. And his finishing hasn't been great with us, but he did finish top goal scorer in Japan. Uh, we scored for the national side as well. So I don't see him as a number nine, Jared at all. I don't, I don't see it. Does he need maybe a run of six or seven games to, to prove me different? Possibly. But do you drop Jackie Marcus or Kyle go and play him there? It's never going to happen, mate. We're never going to see him playing at the number nine. Um, so... Aye, I, I think he's a bit of a luxury player, mate, to be honest with you. And I think Andrew rates him because he's work rate and, and he'll be in there more weeks than not, which, which me personally disagree with. I would play a badder every week. I think he's still drawing a sense his final ball and stuff like that, but I think he brings so much more to the team, mate. I think when he comes on, the, the tempo of the game totally, totally changes, as it does when Aaron Moy comes on, and it's like a fucking game of Sabutio. Um, so aye, there's there, there's different factors, but my my for me, mate, I just I really really I really like the guy. I love his energy. I, I love his effort. I love everything about him. I just think a bad is a a better option. Funny you, you say that you don't think he's a he's a number nine. Nah. Because okay, when you look at the Japan national team, Moriyasu, their coach. Plays Maeda at striker over Kyogo. So yeah, different, yeah. Different like, but the difference is, with us, we press a lot more than Japan does. Japan tend to sit back and hit on the counter, mm-hmm. and that's where Maeda, with his absolute crazy speed that he's got, yeah, plays advantage there. So in Japan, where they play the counter-attacking football and for the national team, Maeda is actually the striker ahead of Kyogo. But for us, in our team, yeah, Kyogo's the better fit as a as our starting striker. So it's just weird how it is though. But Shane, what's your take? Well, I don't I don't see him as a number nine. Um I'd only see him uh, like if his sole job was to simply, you know, play on the counter, hoof balls upfield and have him chase them, sure. I could kind of see that, but I don't see him playing as a number nine. I prefer him out wide, personally. I don't think he's our best option on the left. Um, 
I, I definitely agree with that as well. I think your comment about him being a luxury player is totally spot on. Like I really, he, to me, he's that kind of guy that you just, you bring off the bench and you, you're like, right, we've got a, a back four who are tiring, who we've, you know, peppered for 60 or so minutes. And now we're going to bring Maeda on. And now he's just going to run at them. He's going to run at them and he's going to create chances. He's going to cause havoc. He's going to turn the fullbacks around. That That's what I see him doing. Um, he does a lot of the the hard work that probably still goes a bit underappreciated. I think he tracks back pretty well. I think his work rate's exceptional. Um, and it's exactly why Anne tries to get him into the team. It's exactly that. But no, I, I definitely think his best role is more coming off the bench and just literally hitting tiring defences and turning the fullbacks around. Yeah, on on that, you know what that would be? Imagine you're like, you're playing away at like, let's go, St. Johnson, who were playing on the weekend, and you've got Kyogo just running them ragged, as you're saying. And then suddenly they see the board go up, and it's Kyogo off, made it coming on. That right there, being those defenders slumping their shoulders, going, oh no. (laughs) That reaction to seeing that on the board would be the 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 physical thing of that emotional damage meme that was everywhere a while ago. It'd just be like, oh God, here we go. I'm I'm done. Just put a fork in me. All over. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh look, I, that that's how I how I see it. And um I think our our preferred winger pair is Jota and Abada for me. They're the two yeah. that I'd have starting every week. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. agree. Now, I want to address something that's in the comments here. So there's two. Michael Ross, I'm baffled why GG doesn't start more often. You and me both, when he's healthy. I understand it, but for me, it's horses for courses in terms of, like when we played against St. Mirren, I thought, okay, it should have been Jack and Macca starting there, not not Hata, not um Kyogo, because you're playing against the back three that are all big and they want to just kick the living shit out of people. So... Yeah, I think it's a matter of horses for courses in Europe, like tonight against Leipzig. It's a perfect game for Kyogo because they they play high line. They leave they leave a gap in behind. Another comment here from Vinny is the national coach doesn't even play Rio. Not sure he has a clue. Now, <laughs> the way the Japanese system works is they have the uni system, and then you go into a professional environment, and then you've got to prove yourself for a good three four years in the professional environment before you become a regular in the Japanese national team. So most guys who are breaking in as starters are 25, 26, 27 years old when they start to break in. Sorry. Hey, Shano, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I will have to flick off camera again if she comes back. So so, so many jokes running through my head there. Okay. <laughs> options. Put them in the comments, everyone. Put them in the comments. <laughs> don't want to get well, cancelled. I don't put away it because I'm closing the door. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, yeah. I think like talking about that with the whole Rio situation that explains it. It's a strange system. It's different to Scotland, where the younger you are, the if they can cap you early, they do. In Japan, they don't. So Kyogo's only really broken into the national team in Japan in the last eighteen months. That's saying something. Yeah. So Tade is what, 22, 23 years old? He's still a couple of years away from breaking in properly. Weird, mate. Weird, I'll tell you. Yeah. Sure and is. then 
We're talking about Juranovic. Now the comments are he's believing the hype. He's not going to get those moves that he's been seeing. Drop him. Should be starting Ralston anyway. Those sort of comments that you're seeing everywhere. What's your thoughts on that, Del? Um, listen, he's a, he's a wonderful football player. But remember we signed the guy for Poland. Don't believe all the Atletico Madrid stuff and all that. We, we signed him for, for the Polish league. I think I think that um, because he is a creational internationalist, he probably starts every week. Do I think he's loads better than Tony Ralston? I think Tony Ralston is the most harshly treated player at the football club, without a shadow of a doubt. I don't think the boys put a foot wrong when he comes in. Um, defensively, attacking, assists, goals. Um, I feel really sorry for him. I really, really do. I really like Tony Ralston. Um, Technical-wise and stuff like that, is, is Juranovic that much a better player? I don't really think so, Jared. I really, really don't think so. And I think because of the country he is from and, and they're, they're, they're Croatia and he plays with Modric and blah, 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 then he probably gets a wee bit of a pass, to be honest with you. Um, he hasn't he hasn't been great recently. I think he's a wonderful football player, to be honest. I, I really, really do like him, but I, I feel I feel so sorry for Tony Ralston. Um, I don't think there's much in it between the two of them, mate. I really, really don't. And I think the Scotland-Croatia thing's probably the, the talking point. That's why he's playing. I don't, I don't know if you guys agree. Is, is is he technically better? Is he defensively better? Is he better going forward? Does he chip in as many goals? If you look at the stats, I would disagree. I've got my comments on that. I'll rip in unless Shane wants to. But um, for me, okay, Juranovic is good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He, but the thing with him is, I agree with you. Like. Is it because he's a Croatian international that he gets he gets a spot over the top of Ralston? That's the question we've got to ask because I I know Ange wouldn't give two shits what country you play for, so it's irrelevant for the way Ange is. The thing with Juranovic for me is how old was he when we signed him? We signed him for two and a half million from Poland, and he's what twenty six years old when we signed him. He's twenty seven, twenty eight this year. He's about to hit his peak at 28. So if that's him at his peak and he's got Ralston all over him, challenging him for his position, why wouldn't you play the younger guy who's going to have a long, more long-term future in that position? I just don't get it. But that's just me. What's your thought, Shane? You're on mute, mate. Sorry, I was on mute. There you go. I think um, I, I'd probably file him with Hart and Kyogo at the moment in the sense that I think the, he's been a bit off. But like Hart and particularly Kyogo, I think he'll come good again soon. And I think I think we've seen how good he can be. I think his ceiling's quite high. I think he played at such a high level and he was such a high, consistent member of the, the team last season and maybe even early on this season that maybe it's... It's such a drop because of how much of a quality player he is. I, I don't know whether it's just that kind of ceiling and because his ceiling's so high, we tend to notice it a little bit more. I definitely don't think he's at the same heights as last season. Um, I think the discussion about who you play, either Ralston or, or 
Juranovic is a really good one. I think it's testament to the the depth that we've got in a sense that you can literally have two players where you're like, well, either one of them can play this week, you know, and, and now we're talking, we're not just talking saying, well, Ralston would be good to come in if need. We're, we're literally talking, well, is Ralston on par with Juranovic? I think that that is actually, a there's something positive to look about that, particularly from uh, Tony Ralston's point of view. But look, I, I think he'll come good. Um, I, I, I just simply see his uh, sort of drop in form in line with the others, really. Yeah. I've got a funny thought that just popped into my head. Remember that going into the Champions League qualifiers against Michelin last year and we signed Ralston, we extended him for a year and everyone was like, why are we doing that? Are we that desperate for a right back? And now we're sitting here, you know, 15, 16 months later talking about, oh, that he's on the same level as a Croatian starting in at national right back. And it's like, how's the development for Ralston? First yeah. of all, that's that's insane. Like that is impressive. But then at yeah. the same time, I'm like, you got to look at who we had it right back before we got Juranovic, before Tony got his chance and has developed over this last 18 months or so. Because who who are we comparing him to? Are we comparing what we had there to Frimpong? Are we comparing it to? Uh, what was his name O'Connor, who then didn't play? Are we comparing him to John Joe Kenny? Because all of them are an upgrade over there. Are we comparing him to Christian Gamboa? Or are we comparing him to Michael, Michael Lustig towards the end of his career? That's what we've gone from at right back position to having two guys at the level they're at now. Yep. I think it's probably our strongest position in the squad in terms of two guys going at it. And I just think it's unbelievable how far Ralston has come since Ange has been in the door. Yeah. Ralston, the renaissance. Yeah. I, I think, I think all the players needs to go to the boy himself, mate, to be honest with you. Um, he never looked as if he was going to make the grade. They went to St. Johnson. He was sitting on a bench. Um, and his level of performance has been fantastic. I think Iranovic stays in. I just I just think it's a really good debate and it's interesting to hear what Celtic fans think in regards to two of them. You're not far off it, mate. I think the, the number nine position and out wide and right back, we are struggle all over the team. Um, just as fickle as Celtic fans are, as soon as there's a couple of games. I mean, I, I've been going to Parkhead since 1993 and it was just like sitting in the stadium was like Twitter and Facebook. It's not changed. It's not changed. It's just that you see more of it now. So um, some fans will never, ever, ever be happy. I, I've always been the, the half full kind of guy. And my pal on the podcast's the half empty guy. So we, we, we've all, we've got a good wee bit of rapport in that regard. But we'll, we'll come. We'll, we will come good. Um, right back. To, Tony Ralston, Juranovic, mate. Fantastic that we've got the two guys in there. As you say, he could, he could step in the night and the Celtic fans wouldn't be unhappy about it. It's it's funny and like what you're saying, Dale. Yeah, it makes point perfect sense because I remember going to CSA over here in the '90s, and it's just like you're sitting there watching games on VHS that have been recorded for a month, sent over to us so we could watch it. And these same conversations were being had. Yeah, we were watching yeah. games at a month old, but we didn't know the scores because there was no internet. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there watching games, and we're having these same conversations then. But now, because everyone's got Twitter or social media, it's like. Oh, I've got to 
someone saying this, I want to put my opinion out there. So everyone's like, you know, that narcissistic little traits here and they get their comments out, get this out, get that out, because you have to say it, you have to be heard. Yeah. You know, the, it's the same conversations we were hearing in the pub 30-odd years ago, 25, 30 years ago. I know. Listen, mate, we, we come on here to put out Celtic content, so you can only say on here what you see with your eyes. And we, we all we do is discuss the game and the players and how they're playing and, and, and give an opinion on it. But you get that core element of, of people that whether you're playing good, bad or indifferent, will constantly pick and, and find negatives in it, which is which is not my gig at all, mate. I, I prefer to be, have a more positive outlook. But Then you got the Keep the Faith Brigade. Yeah, yeah, mate. And you get the guys that just are always happy and if you slag Celtic, then you get slaughtered. But you, you're commenting a 90-minute game of football. That, that, that's that's all you're doing. If Calmac plays bad, I'll, I'll slaughter him. I don't care who it is. Because what's the point in going on here and, and talking shit and telling lies? It's, it's totally pointless, but there's too many Celtic fans get their knickers in a twist, as we say in Scotland. Yep, I have to agree with you. It's also that also they'll, um, yeah, actually, I'm not going to say what I was going to say then because, you know, it'll be, could get a bit of shit. We'll go for a 10. <laughs> so I'll just quickly drop something in here. R.O.P. Coolio. I'll throw that in there to change the topic. Now I'm gonna one other thing. I'll quickly want to, <laughs> I want to get your opinion from the guy over in Scotland and a guy over here in Melbourne. That's not me. So, Shane Dell, Ange has been linked with Wolves. Now my question to you: Is it a jog on nothing to see situation, or is it actually a serious issue that he's been linked? For me, I'm thinking I need to put a, a sign up here with the EPL, the whole 20 teams, and we just play bingo and cross them off, make a bingo board and cross them off until he's linked with all of them. I think it's a load of rubbish. He'd be about, at a better level than Wolves. What's your thought, Shane? Yeah, I agree. Um, although I think Wolves is a bit more enticing than the Brighton, uh, you know, job offer that came up recently or, or rumour there. Um, look, I, I think that, Whenever anyone, particularly down south, loses a manager, even if it might be a championship club, I think Andrew's name is just going to come up. And that's that's it's really just a feather in the cap to the job that he's done so far. Um, but yeah, I see his ceiling, you know, much higher than that. And I, I think that, you know, he wouldn't go to a Wolves or, um, you know, or someone like a Leicester, per se. Um, what about these guys, Dane? Wollongong Wolves. <laughs> old NSL days, of course he'd go to Wollongong Wolves, you know. Um, no, look, I, I, I think it's just, like I said, it's a feather in the cap. I don't see him going. I don't see it being treated seriously. And he's most certainly not leaving before the season's done. So, like, you can run the rule through that for anybody, I'd say. He's he's definitely seeing out this season. And um, I don't really see him moving on next season either, to be honest. I think I think he's building something here and... and he can see it coming to fruition like we all can and, and he wants to see it through. He wants to see it go to that next level. And I don't see him um I don't see him leaving leaving us anytime soon really. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think he goes either, mate. I, I think I think when this job comes up he, he's always going to be one of the first names now. But what happens is it's it's the bookies 
the, the bookmakers will I'll put him in a list. As soon as he's in a list, then the tabloid rags in this country jump on it. And the the, the clowns that write in the papers over here pull a, a rabbit out of hat and write a load of shite, mate, as they do. Um I don't I don't mention any of the, the, the tabloid names on my podcast. I've I've never mentioned them. They're absolute dross. So just say red tops and get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think the difference with Ange is, mate, he- he's 57 now. Um, I definitely think his ceiling is higher. Should we get him on a long-term contract? Certainly. I think we certainly should. I think we should be offering him a three- or four-year contract. If one of the bigger clubs come in, is his head going to be turned? If he's got any ambition um, to go and manage in a, a bigger or better league, um, I don't think there's any better clubs than Celtic, obviously, but... Um, it's a slight worry at the, at the back of your head, but I've just got a feeling we'll see him there for another two or three seasons. I, I agree with Shane. He's certainly not going anywhere this year. I think this, the news stories about Liverpool and stuff like that is just it's absolute nonsense, mate. But I can... get used to it. It's Celtic Football Club, mate, and if fans keeps going, we keep on playing well and we're making some noises in Europe. I'll just continue. Every time a championship manager or an English manager gets sacked, Ange Postecoglou will be on the list, mate. But I don't need too much in yet. The funny thing is, right, he's 57, as we've said. He's been managing for 20 years or so in Australia and in Japan, national teams. No one in Europe was giving him a chance. He was interviewing all the time and getting nowhere. We bring him over. I think that loyalty and that's going to hot. That's yeah. going to mean to Ange because we were the one who actually had the, the moxie there to say, all right, come in. Here's the keys to the kingdom. Off you go. And as Angelo has said here, Wolves, no Champions League, unless it's Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal or Tottenham, it ain't happening. I think of those four teams listed there, Liverpool and Man City would be the only two that he would leave us for. And the reason I'm saying that is as history with the City group, and they rate him that highly that if Pep Guardiola was to retire tomorrow, he'd be someone that they think that highly of that could come in and keep the keep the wheels running and how it is. And the other reason I'm saying Liverpool is because Liverpool play the high-pressing game, the same sort of style that we play. And Ange yeah. grew up with Kenny Dalglish posters on his wall and as a Liverpool fan here in Melbourne. So there's that romanticism of the football and you know, the team that he grew up supporting as a kid, his European team was Liverpool. His local team over here was South Melbourne. In the same way, for me growing up over here, my European team is Celtic. Like, that's who I've supported my whole life. So I get the romanticism of Liverpool for him and why he would consider it. But at the end of the day, he ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I think it, it's quite interesting just to, to further to your point about obviously how we showed him that, you know, said, come over, we want you, it's yours, and gave him keys to the kingdom. You go back when he was sort of first rumoured to come to Celtic and, and you know, the reaction it kind of generated. Let, let's be honest, it was pretty pretty mixed and a lot of people weren't. Brutal. Yeah, let, like let's not you know, um, sugarcoated, you know, people were brutal. People saying, who is this? Oh, we don't want that. You know, we should be getting a bigger name. Fast forward, you know, 12 months or so. And now he's being linked with Premier League jobs where it's not a far-fetched call. It's people going, hey, we'd, 
we'd be interested in having him here. And that's just off the back of a stellar season where he's been able to come in and weave his magic. And I think that alone just shows how much a good job he's done. You know, to go from that kind of reaction to to getting the job at Celtic to then all of a sudden being linked to vacancies at Brighton and Wolves. And I mean, legitimately linked, not just kind of like a, oh, we're going to throw a name out there. It's like a, hey, we, we'd want him here. It's not just a name on a short list, but it's mm. would he actually go in. And it's not just would he go in there, but it's would he go in and fit what the club is about because – you know what? How quickly they hire fire down in down in England. Why would he give up what he's been building? And he's openly said he's forward planning three to four transfer windows in in advance at Celtic. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that down there, down the road. And you if, don't even know if he would have been the job three months later. And if he happened to go for a club like a Brighton or a Wolves or maybe someone that was mid-table, potentially flirting with lower the lower regions of the table. If he's not, if he's trying to implement his own style, but there's a, a real risk of actually getting sucked down into a relegation battle, is the fan base is are the are the owners of the board are they going to be that accepting of his run and gun style? Or are they going to say you've got to be more pragmatic and try and change him? That's another consideration. I'll just say it this way, and this is my one I always revert back to: if Leicester City can be a five hundred to one or whatever it was chance of winning the league, or five thousand to one chance of winning the league, win it and then have a bad start the following year and Claudio Ranieri, their manager, is sacked within two or three months after doing that, that says that says it all for that league. You look at Thomas Tuchel, the job he did at Chelsea, and he was out, out on his ass earlier this season. Well, there's no loyalty there. There's no reason for it. Why would you give up what you've got at Celtic for that? Yeah. Yeah. It's the tourist league, mate. It's, it's, it's the worst league in the world. I don't care what anybody says. They might they might have all the talent and, and whatever else they might have. I, I hate it. I, I'm, I'm a big Everton fan. I've been an Everton fan for being a, for being a kid through my family. And I do watch the Toffees. But it's a horrible league. Absolutely corroded with ridiculous amounts of money and, and zero loyalty. I totally agree with you, mate. I just got it good. Why would he go down there as an attack-minded manager to manage Southampton and finish 17th in the league, not be in the chance of winning any trophies and possibly get sacked nine months later? Does it does it make any sense logically to me thinking, but the, the big thing with football is whether it's players or managers is, is the dollar signs, mate. It's money. It's hot. Yeah, and whether, whether or not Rodgers says he left Celtic for anything other than money is absolute bullshit. That's why he went. He's the biggest egotistical prick that's ever walked through Celtic Park. So I I hope Anne stays and, and Rogers gets sacked very soon, mate, and he's he's managing Chesterfield in three years. <laughs> <laughs> run run over. Run over. Brilliant. A couple of comments here. So um, Angelo has commented, Muscat's about to win the J-League with Yokohama. Now, can I, can that- I jump in and ask you a quick question? Yeah. yeah. We've obviously seen um, some pictures and stuff of Lee Griffiths playing in like public parks with two guys and a dog. Yeah. What, what kind of level and standard is... 
I've not really done too much research into it, to be honest, but what kind of level and standard is, is Griffiths playing at? Thir- thir- not even 32 years of age. It's bizarre. Okay. I'll, I'll give you the answer on that. Real simple. You've got the A-League, which is their National League, which yeah. probably the top six in the A-League would be challenging, would be equivalent of like take Celtic and Rangers out of the Scottish Premier League. And our top six over here would probably be the same as third foot through to eighth in that league in Scotland. Right. So it's yeah. on, on sort of a par at that level. Now, then you've got the state league. So below, which is called NPL, so National Premier League, which is, and they have an NPL in each state in Australia. Right, okay. Then they have the state league under that. He's playing at that level, so third tier in Australia. Wow. Semi, semi-professional, playing two game, two, training two days a week. It's not a massive quality league. So, um, is he getting, is he getting paid handsomely? It just, it was a bizarre move to the side of the pond looking over, obviously. Apparently it was because he knows someone or has some rello or something over here who knows someone at the club and he's moved over to Perth. I don't know. That's what I've heard. But Strange. anyway, go back to this, um, yeah, so another one about Kevin Musket. Love to see Kevin Musket get a start in the SPFL. Well, it won't be with us because he played in the blue side of Glasgow and it took me forever to even come round to <laughs> tolerating Kevin Musket when he was the Melbourne Victory Manager, which is me and Shane's local team over here in the A-League. So for me, yeah, he'd be good, but I don't know. I, I Actually, I'm going to say it. I hope he comes to Scotland. But I think he'd be a great appointment at a club like an Aberdeen or a Hearts or something like that. I didn't, but I did not want him at Rangers. And the reason is if Geo, with how rubbish he is, gets booted and Musket was to come in, he can organise a defence. He can organise a structure in the squad. And he's proven winner. And he's going to be in the same sort of tier as Ange where he's won the league in Australia multiple times, and he's won the league in Japan. So he's going to be on that sort of level. I don't want him to go across to Rangers. That's all I'm going to say. Not because I'm fearful, but because I know what he's capable of, and I just don't want them to – they don't deserve that. And, yes, Angelo, in the comments, he did play at Rangers. That's Yeah, I remember him. He went on loan and was – Hatchet job on people as per usual. Yeah, yeah, he was as much a hatchet man back then. I remember him very well. Yeah, all right. So what we'll do is we'll uh we'll crack on to preview on the game against Leipzig. So we'll just get through that nice and quickly and then we'll start to wrap up the pod. So how do you think we're gonna play it tactically, boys? I think we're gonna be going out there. You think we're gonna play with more two sixes and play it and you know a bit more defensive and hit them on the counter or do you think we're going to just go out there play a normal football and see where it, see what ends up happening I'm quite worried about the night for some reason um, probably, probably just down to the recent forum guys to be honest with you I'm, I'm a wee bit worried but I did see today Jackie Marcus has been training uh, and also Abad has went I think it was said yesterday or the day before that he wasn't going to play um, due to religious reasons. I think it happened um, the Europa League last year as well. It's a, a Jewish holiday. Yom Kippur. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the one, mate. So 
I did see on one of the Celtic news that he is there and it's a possibility that he plays also Jack and Marcus. So I, I, I don't think Ange can change his style. I don't think he can, mate. And I absolutely love him for it. I love him for it. He sticks to his guns. He goes, I think he'll go and attack at the Bernabeu as well. It's just the type of manager the guy is. So I don't see anything other than a quick start again tonight, mate. Getting the ball down, playing football getting out wide and, and, and trying to get off the mark very, very quickly. Um, just worried with the recent forum, but I think the team probably picks itself. I don't think there'll be too many changes for the weekend, mate, obviously. The, the hope is that Carter Vickers pulls through. That's the big hope, but I've not really seen anything about it on the news again. I don't know if you guys have. I've not seen the news yeah, constantly no. either, so... He's really out, I believe. Yeah. yeah Moyes so. hasn't travelled and uh, Carter Vickers is out. And I think there was one other as well who didn't travel. So it's so I read, to, I read, oh, sorry. I think it'll just be the same team from the weekend. I don't, I don't see many changes. Um, I think there's one one position there, Dell, that I think is debatable. And then the rest of it's going to be the same as the weekend. So it's going to be Hart and Goals. You'll have Juranovic. Welsh Yens, Taylor across the back. Midfield will be Kalmak, O'Reilly, Hatade, and up front will be Kyogo, Jota, and then it will be one of either Haksabanovic or Maeda. That's the one position for me. I uh, I don't I don't know how or, a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, boss. I, so I, mate, I probably agree with that. I probably agree with that. I don't think there'll be any major reshuffle tonight at all. Um, as I, I'm normally quite confident getting into the games, but uh, I don't know. I've just got a gut feeling about the night. Um, I would I would take a point right now, Shane, if they offered me it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel the same, really. Um, I've still got a little bit of optimism, but recent yeah. form has us sort of just going, well, you know, you go back four or five weeks, we probably circle with this game and go, you know what, if we, we should be looking to get three points here. But things change, um, and like like yourself, Del, like if we happen to come away with a draw, I reckon that's a good result. I still think yeah. we can win, and we've definitely got the quality to win. Um, but I don't see many changes from the team on the weekend against Motherwell. Um, maybe Haksabanovic. I think he I think he gives us something extra um, or yeah. just something a little bit different up front, which which could cause them a bit of trouble. Their league form hasn't been great. Um, they beat um, Bochum, I think, on the weekend. Well, yeah, they won. If I'm mispronouncing that. But one thing with Bochum quickly before, and I'll throw it back to you, Shane. Don't don't worry about Bochum because they're rubbish. They're bottom of the league. Yeah. And they're starting right back is Christian Gamboa. Yes. Yeah. He did score an absolute cracker the other week, right enough, I see. <laughs> well, you, you, you got exactly what I was going to say. Like, their league form, they're bottom of the Bundesliga, so they're relatively poor at the moment. Their match before that, they played Mönchengladbach, and from all accounts, it looked like Mönchengladbach played them off yeah. the park. So, um, yeah, we'll I definitely think they're getable. Yeah, I think they're definitely gettable. Um, they... <laughs> They obviously had the bad result against Shakhtar on uh, match day one. They were a bit better against Madrid at, at the Bernabeu. Um, they particularly they seemed to really play well on the counter in the first half. You'd, 
they almost generated probably as many, if not more, chances than Madrid, which was pretty impressive. They just didn't really put any away. Um, I still think they're gettable. I, I definitely think we can jag a 2-1 and get out of there with three points. But if we happen to, to get a 2 all draw, I definitely wouldn't be unhappy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, think, so... I, think, I think both teams are getting into the game um, not not playing really well to be honest with you and both sides have got players I, I'm the same as you were saying if, if we go out and, and compete and play the way we can then of course we can win the game and I think Leipzig probably think exactly the same thing so I, it's got a very very interesting game go all over it I mean they've got some top 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 players on their side as have we. So, I think, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, I'm just not particularly you know looking forward to it for some reason yeah. tonight. You know what this game's got got the vibes of? It's got the vibes of uh, us versus Betis away last year. As yeah. it's going to be two teams going at each other and it's going to be a high score on one. Like Angelo in the comments is saying Celtic win 3-2. Take that, mate. I'll take that. Right and then now. you've got Michael Ross saying Nkunku or however you say it, looks a player, yeah. So they've got some talent there. Now, Raja in the comments is saying, data says Leipzig is defensively weaker on the left. Celtic to score at least two goals and get 40% possession and jag a result. This year, Leipzig aren't as good as last year's Leverkusen. So that's from one of those stat sort of analysis side of it. For me, I don't. I think we'll get that 40% possession. I think two goals is going to be possible because they're going to come at us the same way we're going to go at them. As we touched on right at the start of this episode, we've got to be more clinical in front of goals. We've got to stop being so wasteful because that, if we get our chances and we take them, especially early, if we can get a goal in the first 20 minutes or so, then it's on. But if the game's going to get down to the last 20 minutes or so and it's still nil all or it's one all and it's nervy, then that's where, yeah, it could be a bit of an awkward one for us. But you got Dermot here saying 4 0. We've got to go get it, got to get it eventually. Happy days, mate. And then you've got here Michael Ross on paper. They have one of the best squads in Germany. Yeah, well, guess what? On paper and in practice, we have the best squad in Scotland. So there you go. I'm not, I'm not scared. So we'll, um, I'll bring up a couple of comments here as well. So Mark White early on said, So excited for the morning's game. I think this is our most important game to date. If we want European football after Christmas, we have to get a result. Agree yeah. with that. For me, if we pick up the three points, we're pretty much going to be getting ourselves right in the mix to stay, have Champions League after Christmas. If we pick up the point, so get a draw away, as a worst-case scenario, then I think we're pretty much going to be in the mix to, you know, we could still make Champions League if we win at home next week, but that point is going to be huge in terms of that third position to drop down into the Europa League if it's required. So that's, yeah, picking up a point is important. And then Dermot sent this message through early on. Exciting game, need to take points. Hopefully after zero and one point returns, we will get three points for the full set. So I don't want to talk about it. It's going to be an easy job. It's not. Um. But, yeah, it's one of those games where I could see this going either way. But, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those um, real better games. And, yeah, we'll uh, 
I think I think two all draw. That's my that's my take. That's what I was going to say as well, mate. Two all. That's what, exactly what I was going to say. Two one. Two one. We'll jag a result. We'll jag a result. I think I think our two biggest champion league fixtures are back to back. So we've got them yeah. away and then we've got them at home. Now, if we take four points from that, that's good. But if we could get six points, that'd be that'd be a dream. So I I think we will. I think we'll get a two one result tonight and then turn them over at Parkhead in a few weeks' time. Nice. All right, so we'd normally do a preview for the weekend's game as well, but all eyes are on, you know, the Champions League game. We won't even talk about the St. Johnson game on this podcast because it's, you know, down the road. It's not that important no. at this point in time. So we'll leave that one. Um, thanks, Del, for jumping on for a chat. Shane, welcome to the Southwark Down Under podcast. Happy days. Glad having you here. Now, we always end the podcast for the final thought. And it can be anything, can be football-related, musical. John always says what music he's listening to. I've got my one ready to go. So to give you some thinking time for your final thought, I'm going to come with one last question for you, Shane, that I saw in the comments earlier, and I know how much of a fanboy you are, so I had to bring it up. Are Celtic missing Rogic, Shane? Yeah, I think they are. I think so. I don't think that... um... I think O'Reilly's been good, but similar to the whole team, I think everyone's kind of just a little bit down on form, as Del mentioned. That same with O'Reilly as well. I just don't think he's um, sort of at the same, has reached the same level that Rogic did last season, which I think he was tremendous. Um, But I still think he'll come good as well. I think though, and this is something that crossed my mind, the amount of games that O'Reilly has actually started, um, I, I think is more than Rogic would have done in any kind of season. I think you would have had Rogic sort of, he was first choice, but I don't think he would have, he did pretty well last season, but there were still some games that he missed that he wasn't able to get up for that he had to be subbed on for. O'Reilly, you've got a bit O'Reilly seems to be almost just starting 10 every week. So he is starting to, to I, I guess, build that, level of understanding with the wingers and, and those up front. Look, Rogic is a special kind of player. He can he can unlock defences. He can do miraculous things. Um, he's a special kind of player, as I said. And I, I think we um, I, I think we are missing him, but I think O'Reilly will definitely get there as well. There you go in the comments. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. <laughs> yeah. well, and he played... Shane's the biggest Rogic fanboy I know. <laughs> that was the only reason I had to bring that up, Del. <laughs> Well, it was interesting because he's obviously at, at West Brom now. I won't, I won't spend too much time on on this, but um, you know, he finally he actually played and actually started on the weekend. But my understanding was that he played either as a six or an eight. So you know, he's a, he's a ten every week. Like, yeah. You know, every 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 match he plays, he's a starting ten. Nothing else. So I think if he's going to be as an eight or six down there, I, I'm worried that he's going to have a bad time. Yeah, I think he was playing against him Cham at the weekend, so he probably had an easy day. <laughs> Apparently, Sam got man of the match that game, and Rogic got subbed off. <laughs> and Rogic got subbed off after sixty-three minutes. That's perfect. It ticks all the boxes. Yeah. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> all the things we've joked about for years on the podcast, you know, that in Cham's a bit of a Rolls Royce of a player, but you know, he just uh, 
when he wants to, and that yeah, sometimes. Listen, O'Reilly's a quality player. How old? Uh, just a question with that notes. How old is O'Reilly? He's still quite young, isn't he? Twenty-two. He's, I think he's twenty-one. Twenty-one. Twenty-two. Ah, he played with under twenty-one and scored for Denmark the other night. I think he's still twenty-one. Yeah. He's yes. going to be an absolute star, and we're lucky yeah. to have him. And I definitely can see him throughout the season just hitting hitting heights similar to Rogic. Maybe not just there just yet, but definitely by the end of the season, I think we'll be talking about him in exactly the same way. Yep. All right, let's get these final thoughts and get out of here, boys, so everyone can go out there their their, uh, their Wednesdays. What do you yeah, got, I Dale? Don't, I don't want to be. I don't want to be too somber or downbeaten, but. My final thoughts will just be my thoughts and prayers to the the Indonesian tragedy that happened the other day. I've seen some minute silences and stuff. Um, absolutely horrendous. Still stuff like that happens in this day and age. So, yeah, that's my final thoughts. Thoughts and prayers to all the, the people that lost their lives over there and to their, their families and friends. You, you took my one, mate. Now I'm going to have to go to my, my backup one. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. <laughs> oh, good. Shane, what do you got? I just want to say, totally concur, Dell, and really well said. Um, I just on a, a still on football related. Just um, Jared, obviously something close to your heart as well. Um, a league season's kicking off here this week, so the mighty Melbourne victory uh, are kicking off on Saturday night. Um, so just for anyone who's watching, if you're interested to um, to to get into Australian football, our, our top tier league is kicking off this weekend, and um, you know, if you want to get along supporting the Melbourne victory, go for it. And my backup one now is we had the Australia Cup final the other day. So it was Dwight York's MacArthur Bulls playing against Sydney United. And all I want to say is Sydney United was the old the old soccer from the NSL, which was the ethnic club background. And then you've got the whole um. Yeah, then you got the new football, so they got rid of form new clubs everywhere. And all I want to say is some of the scenes, booing the national anthem, booing the indigenous people on the pitch, and then chanting "You star say," equivalent of Hail Hitler chants, and doing the hand signal in the crowd. Absolutely effing disgusting. There's no place for it in football. And I'm disgusted to see that in Australian football. So anyone who did that, you Sydney United fans, show it up your ass and stay away from our game. Well said, mate. Well said. We'll leave it there. Hail, hail. See you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Hail, hail.